The subject of what we have today is impermanence, denial of the personal moment. Impermanence is uh, something very important, not only in Buddha's personal experience, but also in our daily life. It is something extremely important because we don't really notice the impermanence much. As we say here, we deny, denial of the person moment. We don't notice, we deny, and at the consequences of that, and then we get a big shock. The shock is whether we are suddenly realize that we're too old, or time to go. All these are, all these are there. And also, of course, there's a culture clash too. From our culture, if I understand correctly, the American culture, and we don't want to think about all these things, what's happening. That's why we have, I was talking the other day, we have those big entertainment. So we entertain ourselves so that we don't want to think about it. We don't want to know what's happening. And uh, we don't acknowledge that uh, change is taking place in our both physical and emotional and even to a certain extent mental level. We deny it, particularly physical and emotional. We deny a lot. And when you deny so much, as I said, we have that big surprise. The question really rises in my mind, is it better not to remind ourselves of the consequences of impermanence? Or is it better that we have the awareness of it. It is absolutely up to the individual. And of course, you know, it's, no one can force you to do anything else. <laughs> it is absolutely up to ourselves. However, the question is, does that help us? Is there something to help us or what? If there is nothing to help, then there's no point of giving ourselves additional worry or additional pain. So better that we forget about it and by the time we go, let it go. When the day comes, the day comes. So that is one point. The other point is, is people who are in the spiritual field, such as yourself. And when you are thinking about it, spiritually, is it beneficial for us to think or not beneficial for us to think? That is the question. With my background, I will say it is definitely beneficial. I'll tell you why. That is because I'm coming from the background of reincarnation, number one. 
So to me, the life just doesn't end at the time of the death. Or maybe this life ends, but we don't end. I don't end. Uh, from my point of view, each and every one of us will also don't end. That's my view, my culture. I'm not here to sell the reincarnation, remember? I said in my book too, and that's my statement, I stand by. But uh, at the same time, no one can tell me, you can't believe it in reincarnation, and I have the right to believe it in reincarnation. And I don't want to use the word believe, but I'll, I actually have a word, the reasons, very solid reasons of the reincarnation. So that's it's not reincarnation talk, so I'm not going to share that with you here. So, but when I'm looking at the reincarnation, then the question comes, who reincarnates? Is this me reincarnates, or some another stranger reincarnates? Some another stranger reincarnates, it doesn't matter for me. I mean, there's a zillions of people are reincarnating every day, so it doesn't matter. I mean, it's great, it's good, but that's about it. So that probably doesn't have to do anything with me. So, but it's me who's reincarnating, then I'm in trouble, or I'm in advantage, or I'm in disadvantage, because it's on me, it's me, my physical body and my mind, and that's the one. So I am at the stuck. Whether I'm going to be better or worse, or whether I'm going to be having a little bit of a com comfortable life, or I'm going to have a miserable life. So it is a me question. Me is the point. So from that angle, Whatever I can prepare now for my better future, that way reminding myself the impermanence is a tremendous asset for me from that angle. It's not necessarily you or me, if anyone is not thinking of a future life, you may be better off not to think about impermanence. And, I, and our society is built in such a way that we don't, really don't want to see the changing. You know, all these makeups we put up. We are trying to hide. What are we hiding? Uh, the old age thing, right? So we try to, to fill up the cracks here and there and uh, put different colors and, um, and you know, well, that's, that's the whole reason why I do. So, so we'll try to look better. Even you have a, the television interview, and they always put that powder on, you know, and that they, they did on me all the time. You know. Maybe I'm terrible looking or whatever it is, but uh, <laughs> the execute they tell you is, or you'll be shining. Otherwise, um, whether it's shining or not shining, but probably they try to cover the. This, you know, the age that you see. So 
we have that society to do that. And might well as live with this and go with it or whatever it is. But if we are thinking about the future, as I do, and as every impermanent science will remind me of, hey, the time what we have here is getting shorter, and the time what we call it so-called future life is coming closer. So am I prepared? Am I prepared for it? So that is the question reminds me. So the denial is a disadvantage for me. That because it wastes my time. It wastes a tremendous amount of time. And it is beautiful in this country if you want to waste your time. It is not difficult at all. <laughs> you don't, yeah, really, you don't need to do anything. Just turn on your television. 24 hours they entertain you. One after the another never ends, you know. It is, you know, the traditionally people give you example if you're sitting on the seashore the wave of the sea will continue, it never ends. If you're going to wait till the wave ends, you can you have to wait there till we die. What do, what do we have the expression saying, wait there till cows come home. <laughs> so, so that was the traditional example, and now we don't need that. We just turn on the television, it's there 24 hours, one after the another, even repeating whatever it is. You know, that happens. So it's so easy to waste our time for this country. Somehow the society itself is built in that way so that people don't feel lonely, people don't feel, you know, I mean, you know better than I do. So, but spiritually, whether that's good for us, it is a big question. And I probably say it's not. Because, you know, you could have done, even otherwise, you know, even otherwise, you could have done a lot of work. Even not, forget about the spiritual thing, you know, you could have done a lot of work. When you sit down, like especially me, like a couch potato, sit down there and turn the television on, I don't know how many hours gone, I have no idea. It goes there, you know, it goes. So it's exactly the same for me, same for you. So, it is really good here to waste time. Impermanent is the one who really reminds. So, in, according to the Buddha, the Buddha says, uh, somebody asks, hey, is this impermanent things, should we think about it or should we forget about it? That was asked to Buddha when he was alive in India. So Buddha's reply is, hey, when you're seeing the animals are walking through the mud, which one you think gives you a bigger imprint? Oh, somebody said it, whatever, you know, buffalo cow, you know, whatever it is. And the Buddha said, no, elephant. The elephant gives you biggest hole over there. And so, as Buddha said, the elephant's footprint is the biggest and best footprint. Likewise, he said, reminding ourselves that impermanence is the best impact. 
impact that we can have it. For Buddha, it is the best. Symbol reason, as I told you earlier, for me, you know, denial is terrible. In general, every denial is really bad. Denial, you can deny, but it doesn't let you go. Okay, we, can, we can don't think of it about getting old, but it gets old. And then, you know, when you, all of a sudden, when you look up or something, and then you have a big surprise, big surprise. So that we all know. As about uh, seven, eight years ago, and I went to China, Beijing, and my brother was there. So he was translating for this thing. And the taxi driver told him something, and I said, what did he say? He said, it's good to show certain area to this old man, referring to me. That was a little shock for me. It's about 10 years ago. So I said, good to show this great wall of China. So it's good to show that to this old man. So that's me, this old man. So it's a little surprising to me. It's a little shock. But then, you know, when you think about it, yeah, I was 50-something at that time. So that's a little shocking. That is the surprise we get, right? And the reality is, it is the true. It's the true. We keep on forgetting. We don't want to think about it. But the reality, we don't get younger, we get older for sure. The reality doesn't change. Even you do uh, whatever surgeries or whatever you do, you know, all the pull it up or leave it, pull it down or whatever you do, all of them you do doesn't matter. The reality doesn't change. Uh, <laughs> you may look nice for a few days and if something happens, it may come down all of a sudden. But anyway, uh, that doesn't help, doesn't change. On the contrary, on the other hand, if you try to help yourself by packing and uh, making some preparations for your, whatever you call it, future life, and that is only I and I can only carry, nobody else does. So it is helpful for me. So I've been keep on saying uh, packing and uh, preparation and all of those. So people may think, what can you carry in your future life? Well, one thing I sure know, we cannot carry our life insurance policy. It doesn't work out there. And somebody else gets, whoever it is, most probably the lawyers will get it. Anyway, if there are any lawyer here, excuse me. <laughs> But, you know, most probably, you know, they, they, they get it, and nobody else get it. I mean, people do get it, but, you know, the lawyers have advantage over it. So, the life insurance policy doesn't work. And uh, we virtually carry nothing. At the time when we go, we leave everything. You know it. And I'm just not here to give you bad news. It is true reality. You know it. We all know it. 
But we again deny, we don't want to think about it. At the time when we go, everything, good old Tibetan saying, if you are king, the king will leave his estate. If you are a beggar, you leave your begging balls. So no matter how, whatever you may be, whether you are royal king or beggar in the street, all your position to the left, whether it's royal estate, or a just begging ball. Both are left. Nothing to be kept. Even our family, spouses, children, everything. Even though we love them, they love us. They, they are surrounding our body and almost holding hands and doing everything. But not a single person can go, cannot, no one, even they want to, no one can go. It is only ourselves. What do we carry with us? Only the imprint of our deeds, whatever, however we spend our life, good and bad. Whatever we did, that imprint of that goes with it. That's it. Nothing else. Everything has forgotten. We won't remember anything. We won't even remember the names of ourselves. Forget about friends and uh, everything. Our own name will not be remembered. Why? It is so simple. It is not complicated. It is straightforward. By the time when you are dying, what happens is our gross mind, mind that we think, recognize, acknowledge, talk, if this one says this, I will reply that. If that one says this, I will say this and that. You know, all this uh, bargaining, give, take, it, all this type of mind, what do we have? It is the gross part of the mind. And the all gross part of the mind are dissolving. The, with the dissolving is a nice word. What's happening is all these gross minds are occupied, are sort of raised out, cancelled out by another mental faculty called forget and the forgotten, whatever. And that cancels thing, which is the reality we know. When we go and visit friends who are dying, and when somebody is coming out, we always ask, does he recognize you? Did he recognize you? Did he remember your name? We say that, don't we? We do. So that is the reason what we're really checking is how much his mind, the gross mind, is working. When the gross mind doesn't work, but the subtle mind, 
continues in the world. And that's reality. So because all the growth mind we're living, even now, way before we die, even now, today, a lot of our growth mind had gone, a lot of them. We don't recognize people, maybe the people change. And maybe we haven't seen it or think about themselves for a long time. So don't remember. And we see the face, yeah, I know you, but where are you? What's your name? You know, all this, and then suddenly it comes up. Sometimes, sometimes it never come up. And it's so odd to ask the individual, well, well sorry, I forgot your name or something. You can't say that, right? So that's how our gross minds are giving up. And when it's, you know, it's beautifully, in Buddhism, they call it dissolving. Nothing dissolves for nothing. It's actually going. It's forgotten. Forgotten. And so what really happens is at the end, very, a very a subtle, subtle, subtle mind that goes with us. With this subtle energy. Sudden, subtle energy and a sudden mind. Very subtle one. It's almost not even a mind. It is a continuation of a mind. When I using the word continue, I was hoping you will understand. Even subtler than mind itself. Mind itself is no tangible, no color, no shape, nothing. But still, even subtler than that. It's a sort of a continuation. But it's a me, my continuation. So when this subtle mind do make the transition from this life into what we call a future life. So what we carry is the imprint when we did something good in this life for ourselves and for others. So that doesn't waste it. The imprint has been carried with us. It will materialize. When we did something bad, even the police didn't caught us. The law didn't caught us. However, that imprint continues. Imprint continues. So the consequences of that we will face not this life, the next one. So, that's for me, because of my background. <laughs> I don't know what to say, you know. So, that's what it is. So that's why they're reminding the impermanent is extremely important. And that's for Buddha also. So Buddha himself said, because the put in print is the elephant swan, and uh, because the important, most important mind is impermanent. Even Buddha, when he died, the last word that the Buddha gave to Buddha's followers are impermanent. He took out his clothes and asked the disciples, to look to the body of the Buddha. It is rare to see. And this is your last opportunity. And it is time for Buddha to pass away. 
to die, he said, to die. And this is the last word of Buddha. That's when he gone. That's how he went. And he chose impermanence is the last word. Because that makes a hell of difference in our life. Otherwise, we waste tremendous amount of our time to this wonderful entertainment provided by those networks. And for me, it's the CNN. <laughs> it gives you mixed emotion. You know, they talked about Iraq, what's happening, how many people get killed, and all this. So it gives you mixed emotion. And it still continues, you know. It has been since the war. So you don't want to hear it. For me, I don't want to hear it. At the same time, I won't like to know either any more people killed or what. So that's that's what it is. And that's how they're very good at playing our emotions. And some people have no interest for that. But then you have nice movies or nice plays or whatever it is. Anyway, how they do is they play with our emotions and uh, get us caught in that. And uh, the consequences of that, we waste our precious time. Why precious? Because we make a difference to ourselves. Instead of just watching a Larry King for an hour, if we meditated for a compassion, for on love, on compassion, or on wisdom, how much impact that will make to us. Probably packed two suitcases to go with you in the future. So, but instead of that, if we spend time with the Larry King, Larry will say good night, and we are all good night, then that's the end of it. So what we go on is the time which we don't have. And especially wasting in this this time. You know why? Because our own personal capability at this moment, our understanding, our value, our capability as a good human being, such as yourself, you're a good human being. And good human beings have wonderful opportunity and capacity. And that capacity is again impermanent. It's impermanent. We all know, as I've been talking to you, when the Chinese taxi driver called me the old man, which is a big shock for me. But the reality is I am old man. Now I'm much older anyway. <laughs> so you know, when you when you when sort of when you think you are young, maybe you're thinking twenty-five or something, but when you're even you're fifties, but then somebody tells you the old man. So that gets big shock, but the reality is true. So it happens to all of us. The old man's fine, doesn't matter. But the, what does matter is if they say, Hey, is it time? for you to go today is your time. Then it matters 
You can't say, wait, 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 look, I'm not prepared. Can you wait five minutes? They'll say, no, there's no waiting, right? So that is the important thing to remember when it's in our own hand. Because we can make difference for ourselves. No one else can. We can make a difference to ourselves. And that is our advantage. That is our opportunity. That is the value of the human quality. The dogs cannot make that. The cats, parrots, and so on and forth, other lives that we see, even those lives who have come from. You know, I've been talking this close encounter with third kind. So, I don't think they can make difference to them, but we can. That is a human value, because we have this wonderful mind, this mind and the understanding and the capability of communicating to ourselves. That is the most important. We have to be able to communicate ourselves. No one is greater than us who will be able to communicate to ourselves in this life. So, I mean, we may not say it, but communicate. We may be using whatever to educate ourselves or, or whatever. The reality is we are communicating to ourselves, whether you call it education or knowledge or even Spiritual development is a communication to ourselves. So we have that capacity, the other lives don't. And if you waste that, that's a tremendous waste. And example, the old Buddhist teachings give you a very interesting example. It's a funny, like a little kid's story type of thing. That's what they talk. And they said there was an old man. In old time, there was a man. The man found a bag full of gold, dust, gold. A bag full of, you know. So, so what he did is he carried the bag at his back and kept on walking and telling everybody, I have gold. And I think he very proud. But what he does not know is that bag has a hole. And from the hall, all the gold went keep on dripping. By the time when he realized, the bag is empty. So even you found a bag full of gold, it's become useless for that individual. Because he doesn't know there was a hall and he wasted it. Likewise, we have this wonderful life. Life that has all the opportunity, life that has been able to communicate to ourselves. Life that make, can make a difference for the thousands of other lives that we take journey. It makes a difference, this life. And especially, time like today, time like today in the United States, it is a tremendous opportunity. Though traditionally we are supposed to be in what they call it a Kala Yoga, 
sort of degenerated age. However, we have the best opportunity ever in the United States today. All, everything, material, spiritual, everything you need is here. I mean, it is almost a matter of looking into the yellow page. It's almost everything is in there. Eastern tradition, Tibetan, Southeast Asian, Burmese, Hindu, whatever you want to. And the Western tradition, whatever. Every spiritual tradition, everything is in the yellow pages today. And it's this great opportunity for us, whether we can take it or not. If we don't take it, no matter whatever it is, it is, it doesn't matter for us. If you take it, it's all there. And this life is capable of picking it up and capable of communicating to ourselves and the capable of making the change that we have to do. To me, Dharma, Buddhist terminology for spiritual development is called Dharma. To me, Dharma really means change. Nothing but change. People don't like change. People deny, but they always like status quo. We don't want change. But to me, Dharma is change. Changing from our usual negative addiction into a positive addiction. I like to use the word purposely for addiction, even if it is wrong, grammatically, maybe. So I like to use that, because we're changing our addiction. For example, if we are addicted to get angry, we change that and try to get addicted for compassion. So changing, if we are addicted to get jealousy, try to change from that and try to change into love. If we are, we are addicted to be stingy, whatever, we are stingy. We are generous, but we are very stingy too. So from the stinginess into a generosity. These are the changes. These changes make better and the best change is changing our ignorance into wisdom. That is all what we're looking for, every spiritual part. But if you think wisdom is something all of a sudden is over there that I have to get, go and get it, you're mistaken. The wisdom is within ourselves. As a matter of fact, it is only a matter of knowing, acknowledging and picking it up. Honestly, if you don't know how to pick up, you may have books this much, like I have. I have a lot of Tibetan books here in Michigan. A lot of them, really a lot. My basement is filled up with the Tibetan books, completely. There's a thousand bulbs I have. <laughs> but if I don't know what to pick up, and they're like a, a museum piece for me. A traditional Tibetan 
system. You know, you have a nice little cloth that you make, and uh, then you have, uh, you know, titles are put into the little brocade, little piece of thing. And I had them there, you know, all of them there. And I still have more, at least like 10 or 15 boxes. I still haven't opened it yet. So, so that's going to be thousands of volumes I have in there. But if I don't know how to pick up out of that, it is, it is in my basement. It's underneath my bed, <laughs> sort of thing. And then that's it. And even you open it, you read it. And if you don't know what you're reading, and you don't get it. You read the language, you say it, but you don't know it. You don't get it. But it's in there. That is the wisdom I'm talking about. If you think the wisdom is somewhere else, and you have to go and get it, forget it. It's not. It's within us. Within that. Yeah, I think I mentioned it to you here. You know, even you know this this impermanence. I see everywhere. I see in our glasses, days of our life. That's what I see. And I see movie. And I see the movie, what do I see? The impermanent, changing. Changing the personality. Changing the person. Changing. Changing from positive to negative. Or negative to positive. You, you don't wish a vice versa. So I see the changes. And that's, there's a wisdom there. I look in the people's life. We see the melodrama of our life. And within that melodrama, we see it. I see it, the changes. And I see the wisdom in there. That is the, that is the thing. The changing the ignorance into the wisdom is also, I mean, this is nothing new to you. you, you in the American culture, we say, trained eyes or something, somebody who are expert or whatever, and they see different than we see, that's exactly what the wisdom is all about. And if you think wisdom is somewhere, somebody's keeping it and going to give it to you, nobody's going to give you. It's yours. You have to take it. And particularly the wisdom on the spirit. Is absolutely no one is keeping it. No one is keeping away from us. Not a God is not keeping it away from us. Not a Buddha. No one. It is within us. Just somehow we couldn't get it. Because we didn't make the change enough. The changing was not done well. And Wisdom is also not a something like this, you hit on your head and all of a sudden, ah, popped up. No, it doesn't work that way. And when you think it does work that way, you're going crazy. Believe me, you're going crazy. Because it just doesn't work that way at all. It is the gradual process. It is all gradual process. It just doesn't work that way. If it works that way, there should be instant enlightenment. And there is no instant enlightenment. We all know that. 
but there was still hope, we still pray, we still hang on it. Somehow, instant enlightenment. We all do. I'm included. Supposed to have background of uh, the Buddhism for what, 60 to 60 years. And still, I hope for instant enlightenment. I'm not giving up that hope. <laughs> but I know it's wrong. But we all have that. We all have that. But it's a reality. It's a gradual process. It's not instant. If it becomes instant, then you become crazy. That's how spiritual part goes wrong to people. And they become crazy and say, I'm this and I'm that. And, and do all kinds of funny things uh, because of that. Yes, even in Buddhism, there are great masters, this and that. Yeah, they're there. The crazy wisdom, we call it, right? They're all there, but that's not like this. So the change is the most important. Even spiritual development is change. Change within the individual. My thought, my understanding, my attitude, my way of thinking, my way of functioning, changing from negative into positive, is in my spiritual development. A number of people think spiritual development is something over there, and I some, somehow I'm not getting it. It's not that you go over there and get it. It's within the house. To be able to recognize or not recognize. I just give you the example. This of our life. So it's just simply that's how it is. At the melodrama of a people's life, you know, when you read, when you see the movies, when you read their biography, and then through what eyes you see, it makes difference. That is wisdom. That's how we make change. And therefore, my conclusion for me is impermanent is extremely important. Impermanent, whether it's important or not important, it's going to be there. No one can make it go away. If we could, we all will. But it is not going to go away. It's going to be there. But it is whether you're going to deny or whether you're going to look at it and whether you're going to make use of it or not, it is caution for us. And it is funny, particularly, you know, the growth level of the impermanent is death. And that is something that we always look, we, we talk about it every day. We hear how many people get killed. So 50-some Americans died in Iraq since our president declared war is over. So that's what I heard today. So, so that's that. We're talking about that. And we're talking about uh, some crazy people killed this thing and killed that thing and all of those. But we never think that coming close home. Never think about it. Never think about it. Sort of the reality is if you think about ourselves, 
You know, that could have been me. That soldier who was ambushed in Baghdad today could have been our son. If you think in that way, it's become closer. And that gives you a totally different message and different feeling. And when you are thinking about it is one of us, we Americans, it gives you different feeling than an Iraqi has been killed. However, it's not close enough. And when you think about it, that could have been our children, my son. And if you think that way, it, it makes a big difference. And likewise, so-and-so got killed in car crash, or whatever. It could have been me, plane crash, or all of those it could have been me. So I'm glad I'm not. That's what we conclude. But I don't. I was if it was me, where will I be today? And what am I? How I am supporting myself? That is my question. And that's probably I've been trained to think that way since kid, childhood. So that mind is how I think. I don't complete. Well, I'm glad it was not me. I don't cut there. I said, if it was me, what am I doing now? Where would I be? What would be my situation? And then, then you get certain feelings. Then you get anxiety too, or joy. So that's how you can judge yourself. What would be? I had a friend in a, had a friend in Netherlands, Holland, a doctor, a medical doctor, who had a terrible cancer, terrible. She herself is a doctor, she doesn't know. She's a little uncomfortable and she sort of checked and found a terrible cancer she had. And they did everything and she wanted to go to operation. They opened it up and they had to close back and the same. Nothing can be done. So she herself knows that. And she told me, but you know, she had uh, this healing through Tara, Tara healing. And she practiced that. And the doctors, including herself, and they're all her colleagues, because it's a small town. So they all know each other, especially those doctors of one hospital. They know each other. And they talk about it. They all agree she's going to go within month or so, at the most, two months, because best prognosis they can give her two months. She agreed. But you know, she had this white other practice, and she lived five years, good life, five years thereafter. Good life in the sense she doesn't work there anymore because of she's sick, and but she has a full life, diving everywhere. Even went to France to buy a tablecloth for me when I visited there, and a very expensive tablecloth, which I brought back and we had a dinner and food fall over. And a friend of mine would push, put them in the washing machine. That made end of that great tablecloth. So anyway, so, so 
she told me once, she said, I was fainted once, and I was dying, and they said, when I'm dying, I can't, I can't think of anything but the refuge. And she said, that's not good enough for, for me. So, but that is great for so many people. I mean, we would be happy if you could. Anyway, so impermanence in that way helps tremendous. That's my experience. And I just wanted to say thank you. So that's it. If you have questions, I don't have answers, but let's see what. <laughs> the problem is there's no answer. So we can talk about it. Two weeks ago, you mentioned the fact of our emotions and that anger can deter all good karma. You were reading from the Sanskrit book? No, Tibetan. Tibetan. I don't read Sanskrit, yeah. Well, I, the Tibetan book. Yeah. So let, let's say we didn't experience your life experiences, and maybe we had to, like, you know, kind of uh, squander around in life and self-teach ourselves, and maybe we didn't teach ourselves the right stuff, but, you know... We did the best that we could. So we have all this bad karma. That's going to delete the good karma that we're trying to bring into our life. The karmic system is a, such an interesting, funny thing. Some of these consequences of the bad karma, like hatred. Now, I will not say so much anger, but hatred. The consequences of that cancels a lot of our positive karma. I think I used it that as um, the fire that burned the forest, that consumes the wood, the trees, for a hatred they use as the virtues. That's not my word. That was coming from Buddha. Do I know personally? No, I don't. But is it true? I would say yes, it's true. You know why? The other symptoms of the hatred. Whatever Buddha has mentioned is all true that we know. It makes our life miserable. It wastes, it loses the good feeling and the wonderfulness of our, I mean, once in the blue moon, some good feelings that we have will be just destroyed by a minute of hatred, which is all. So this, all of those are true, so therefore the bigger consequence the Buddha said it should be true, because all others are true. Do I see it? No, I do. Do I have experience, personal knowledge? No. But logically speaking, because all other smaller symptoms are true, therefore this must be true too. That's my reason. And I based on the Buddha's words, not what I share. But can we prevent it again? The Buddha said, yes, we can prevent that. And the way to prevent that is the dedication. Like we say, may all beings be free of suffering. So we dedicate our positive deeds to be able to materialize that point. And once you dedicate it, it doesn't get burned because karmic system has a rule that says karma is definite. You cannot change it. They give you the example of if you're growing a sweet fruit tree, the result will be 
sweet fruit. No matter how many jalapeno peppers you grow around, you don't want to change the taste of the fruit. That was ever. So therefore, when you dedicate it, it doesn't get burned out. Even there is a hatred. It is the safety, security, or insurance, <laughs> which you can't take it. <laughs> but, but this imprints are remained. So that's why in Buddha's teachings, two most important activities, beginning and end. Beginning, motivation. End, dedication. So that's why you have this. Saying prayers and meditating is the beginning. And end, we have dedication. That's, that's the reasons why. Two most important activity. Beginning, which you will sort of guided and uh, dedication which is safeguard everything. Um, I'm not sure how to ask this question. Um, I, I think about religions a lot and I've studied a lot of religions and I was raised in a fundamentalist Christian um, faith and um, I think of things like sort of like a wheel where all the religions seem to be trying to go for this center principle, which I've sort of decided is, is love. And um, I think about what you were saying about the imprint of karma and uh, that carrying with us. And then I think about the Christian teachings about the love of Christ and repentance and our sins become whiter than snow and that we're forgiven and that we don't carry that imprint. I would just wondered if you could speak to that idea. How yes. do you find that in Buddhism? My knowledge in Christian is equal to zero. I must admit straight away. But on the other hand, to me it's a different language. In one side you say forgiving and for and not forgiving and seeking forgiveness and forgiving. In Buddhism we call it purifying and not purifying call it purification or not purification. I think it is just the technicality. Technicality in the Christianity, as you know, mostly it was somehow presented whether God did this or God did that or did do this or did not do this and that. If I'm wrong, please forgive me because you all know much better than I do. But in Buddhism, what they do is you did this and you did that and the maid, it is individual responsibility, self-responsibility. So when you are having the God is responsible for everything. So then the question of forgiving and not forgiving comes in. When you made yourself is responsible, whether you purified or not purified. It is the technicality of the language point. What you really do is doing the same thing and the making the individual, whether it's pure or not pure, as you stated yourself, and as white as snow, or more better than snow, so whatever. So that is the measurement of the purity. So the bottom line is purity, whether you become a pure or not become a pure. Where how you reaching is either seeking through the forgiveness and the reaching over there, or purifying and the reaching over there. 
And I think the same thing you're doing it, doing the right thing against the wrong thing. To me, that is almost the same thing with sort of a slightly different language and a technicality to point. And I love to see that way. And maybe I push myself a little bit on that way to I don't know. But I think it really comes to. And to me, almost all the tradition really comes to one point, the point of helping the individual and helping everybody. That will come, which we may call it love, or you may call it help, or whatever the, again, language and technicality point. Otherwise, it will come to that point. And that's what I like to see it, and that's what I look at, and that probably it is. Well then, certain people, certain points where I have disagreement. Now for example, certain tradition would like to say where there is no bad. Everything is wonderful and not bad. And Ramdas is a great friend of mine. We love each other. We work together and he supports me and I support him. And when he got sick, I did his retreat for last couple of years. And because he, that time he won't talk for a while. So now he talks, right? So great. And but whenever we do workshop together about this bad business, he will say, "What do you mean by bad?" <laughs> and I will say, "Well, yeah, bad is there. You know, well, you think so, but I don't think so." We go on that point. But the reality, really, for me, is uh, again the bad and good. It happens to people, you know, to people that happens. It's a balancing point. You can't deny that either. The bad is not there anyway. Sometimes we like to go too extreme. So certain traditions, you know, some not the tradition itself, some some people who interpret tradition takes you too extreme of so much bad, 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 bad. You're gonna go this, this is gonna happen, that good, bad, bad, bad. So naturally, when you counter it, you go too extreme. Ah, there's no such thing called bad. What are you talking about? It, you know. So you go through that, that is the human reality. But the point is in the middle, to me. The bad is there, the good is there. That's for sure. Uh, I mean, it happens to, to me. A bad thing happens to me, I'm diabetic. Good thing happens to me, I'm still alive. And I'm still walking. And so things like that. So the good and bad are both within us. So when you deny that way, maybe that's a little difficult for me. Maybe they're right. Maybe I'm wrong. But that is, uh, that is my point. And otherwise, uh, when you look in the principles of Christianity or Judaism or, or Buddhism or Hinduism, they almost come to the almost same point. There's not that much difference. Technicality, because one is Eastern oriented and the other is Western oriented, so what? The language is different, one comes out of Sanskrit, one comes out of English, or Greeks, or Latins, or whatever. So, that's much different to me. So, anyway, did I answer your question? Probably not. <laughs> we can talk more. Thank you.